Coming up on The Overcoming Life with Jimmy Evans. I'm saying to you right now that Jesus Christ gave his blood so that we can go before the throne of God and ask for every blessing of God with boldness. Because God's desire is to restore us to a place of total blessing. Somebody say amen. And that's the truth. entire book of Nehemiah is about God restoring a group of people who have lost everything. The children of Israel had thumbed their nose at God for hundreds of years. He warned them if they continued in their sin that they were going to lose it, and they did not listen, and they did. The king of Babylon came and defeated the Jews. He took many of them captive back to Babylon, and now in the book of Nehemiah, they have been in Babylon for 70 years, as God told them they would be. And Nehemiah was born in captivity. He has never seen the promised land. But he has now heard a report that Jerusalem, the walls have been broken down and the, the gates have been burned with fire. And basically what that does is it just continue, it breaks their heart and their dream of going back because they have dreamed that one day they'll be able to go back to re-inhabit Jerusalem, the nation of Israel. That's their dream. They're captives. They're not, they're not citizens. They're, they're not equals in Babylon. They're just, they're there and they're prisoners. And so he weeps in chapter 1, and he repents of the sins of his forefathers that have caused them to be there. And that's step 1 in them being restored to the promised land. Today we're going to talk about step 2, and this message is called the gift of favor. And um, he is the cupbearer to the king. His job, now he's a slave, but Nehemiah's job is he stands next to the king, and he serves him his wine. Now, the, being the wine bearer to the king meant that you had to taste the wine. And if you didn't die, the king would drink it. Okay. So it was a very, very trusted position. In some ways, it was a dangerous position. And so he is now the cupbearer to the king. And after weeping and mourning and fasting for many days over the sins of the nation, and God forgives him, and this begins now the, the journey back. To, to Israel, and the people, the people of Israel are going to go back to their homeland, repossess Jerusalem, the nation of Israel. And so he decides to go before the king and ask him for help. Now, you need to understand, as we read Nehemiah 2 here in just a minute, if you went before the king sad, you got killed. You could not be sad in the king's presence. The first requirement to work for the king was this. You had to put a smile on your face. And if the king looked at you and you didn't have a smile on your face, he killed you on the spot. So Nehemiah is going to go into the presence of the king sad. And he's doing it because he's going to ask the king. He realizes everything he needs, the king of Babylon has. He has the money. He has the authority. He has the power. He has everything needed to go back and to rebuild Jerusalem and to retake the nation of Israel. So he just decides, I'm willing to die. I, I'm at a low point. Let me say this. Sometimes you, the change comes when we become desperate enough to do what's necessary to change. And they're now desperate. Let me say this. God doesn't want you to have to hit bottom until you change. But unfortunately, sometimes we're just too stubborn to ask God to help us until we get to the bottom. Can I tell you this? Wherever you're at in life, God loves you. He's your king, and he has what you need. This is Nehemiah 2 where we pick up the story here. It came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, 
when wine was brought before him that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs lies waste and his gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may be rebuilt it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your, your journey be and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel which pertain to the temple, for the city wall, for the house that I occupy, and for the house that I occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of God upon me. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me, when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. So Nehemiah is desperate. He risks his life. He goes into the king's presence sad, but he finds favor. Now this, this message is called the gift of favor, and he finds favor. And the king said, now you're not sick, so tell me why you're not smiling. And he said, I'm what's happening to my nation, the place of my father's tents. And it, the king said, what are you asking me for? And Nehemiah gets very specific. And the king said, granted, I'll give you everything that you need. Now, this is a very symbolic story. And there's a lot of symbolism here. Now, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. They're partners. And we see many truths in the New Testament that we see graphically lived out in the Old Testament. And one of the truths of the New Testament is our God is a God of restoration. His will is not to keep us down. His will is for us to live in the absolute fullness of blessing that Jesus came to give us. And he can take us at any place in our lives and lead us back to the promised land and rebuild our lives according to his will. Somebody say amen. That's the truth of the New Testament. But we see Nehemiah graphically living out this truth. And so let me, let me tell you the players in the story and what they represent. Uh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem represents a life, a family, or a nation that has been destroyed by sin and the devil. It's, it's been burned by fire and it's torn down. The, the enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. When the devil's through with you, your life has been destroyed. Nehemiah represents a believer who is in bondage and has been defrauded of his destiny in God. And this is where God finds all of us. God, no one is born saved. And we are all found there when we get saved. The king represents God who has the power and resources to restore everything that we have lost. Sanballat and Tobiah represent the devil and his demons who are dedicated to keeping us out of the promised land. Remember at the very end in verse 10, it said, when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite heard that someone had come to seek the well-being of Jerusalem, they were deeply disturbed. Everything you try to do, the devil will try to keep you from. Everything that you're going to build in this life, you're going to face an evil devil. Now listen, listen to what the name Sanballat means. It's a Babylonian name. 
The name Sanballat means sin is life. And let me say this to you. Every single temptation that we get in life has that message in it. Every time the devil tries to get us to do the wrong thing, there's a message in that temptation that says this will add life to you. This is what he told Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. If you eat that fruit over there, you will not die, but you'll become like God. And they did die, and they did not become like God. Because the devil's a liar, and he's a murderer. And Sanballat and Tobiah are now the enemies of restoration. They're going to try to keep this from happening, because they're going to fail because the devil lost. This is very, very symbolic. Well, what does the wine represent? The wine represents the blood of Jesus. Nehemiah goes before the king, and he gets favor with the king. Why did he have favor with the king? Because he was his wine bearer. Let me, let me say this to you very simply. Because of the blood of Jesus, you can approach God as your king, and you can get anything you want. Because the blood of Jesus has established a covenant by which God will give us. Jesus said, fear not, little flock. It's my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's God's desire to give us every blessing under heaven because of the blood of Jesus. Here's what Jesus said in Luke 22. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Jesus, the old covenant was a covenant of law. It was a covenant of death that no one could fulfill. The Mosaic Covenant was a disaster. That's what the New Covenant tells us. But the New Covenant was completely different. Jesus came to make a new agreement with us, a, a, new, a new way for us to be blessed by God that was not based on merit. And so Jesus said, this is in my blood now. This is Hebrews chapter 12. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better than that of Abel. The blood of sprinkling. That the old covenant was inaugurated by Moses sprinkling the blood of animals. The new covenant was inaugurated by Jesus sprinkling his own blood in the tabernacle in heaven. And we have been saved by that blood. God is always about restoration and bringing hope when things seem hopeless. Regardless of your mistakes, the Lord's desire is to restore your life into His plan and purpose. In this powerful series, The God of Restoration, Jimmy Evans will help you discover how to break free from sin and restore the brokenness in your life. There is no condemnation because it's not about us. It's about how great Jesus is. Support The Overcoming Life with your gift of any amount, and we'll send you The Gift of Favor as an audio download. Receive the complete series, The God of Restoration, on CD or audio download, and Jimmy Evans' book, I Changed My Mind, for your gift of $50 or more. For your gift of $85 or more, you'll receive the complete series, The God of Restoration, on DVD or video download, and the book, I Changed My Mind. When you've overcome the past and are living in God's blessing, you'll experience breakthrough, favor, and fulfillment. And so let me talk about the new covenant and how the new covenant functions, because this is the, this is the covenant that we're in. And we need to understand, if we're going to go before the king by the blood of Jesus, we need to understand how the new covenant functions. Number one, it's grace-based. 
Everything is free and undeserved. The new covenant operates on grace. This is Ephesians 2. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you, who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. And so the Old Testament was all based on merit. You had to work for everything you got. But the New Testament, Jesus did for us on the cross what we could never do for ourselves. Let me say this. Every time you want to approach God and ask him for any blessing, the devil's going to tell you the truth. Now, the devil's a liar, but there's one time he tells you the truth. And any time that you try to approach God to get any benefit from God, here's the truth the devil's going to tell you. You don't deserve it. Well, don't argue with him. You don't deserve it. When the devil tells you you don't deserve it, and he reminds you of all your sins and says you're a sinner, you, you have no right to go before God, and all of that, here's what you say to the devil. You know, devil, you are exactly right. But because of the blood of Jesus, in spite of my sins, I have free access to God the Father. I have no argument when the devil tells me I don't deserve it. I just praise Jesus for his blood. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, as weak as it was through my flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of flesh. There is no condemnation because it's not about us, it's about how great Jesus is. Somebody say amen. The new covenant is grace-based and everything you get is because of the grace of Jesus. It's relationship-based. This is the second. The new covenant forces us into relationship with God. The old covenant, God was terrifying. He was behind a curtain, and only one man one time a year could go behind that curtain. If he made a mistake, he fell dead. And he was a God on the top of Mount Sinai with thunder and lightning. He was austere, and they were terrified of him. In the New Testament, God is relational. It's the difference if you've seen the Wizard of Oz between the great and powerful Wizard of Oz and when Toto pulls the curtain back. And when Toto pulled the curtain back, there's this sweet old man behind the curtain. God is not this flashing head. God is a sweet father. And in the New Testament, he wants us to relate to him. He doesn't want us to be afraid of him. And this is what it says in Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us. Let me, let me say, God, God's madly in love with you. I mean, you. I'm talking about you. Because some of you think, well, I know God loves people, but... I don't know that he really loves me. God, God loves you, and if Jesus would have only died for you, he would have. Everything is based on relationship. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. His motivation was love. Hebrews 4. Seeing that we have a high priest who is Jesus, who passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, 
Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The new covenant forces us into a relationship with God. Now I want you to listen to me. The king of Babylon had everything that Nehemiah needed to go back and restore his life and restore the children of Israel. But listen, Nehemiah had to go talk to him. He had to go before his throne. He couldn't send a note. He couldn't send a friend. He had to go before him and talk to him. I've got news for you. God has everything you need to restore your life and every blessing that you need in this life, but you have to talk to him. And the Bible says we have a high priest who experienced every temptation that we've experienced. He didn't sin, but he can completely relate to everything that we go through. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. I don't have to worry like Nehemiah that if I go before God, sad, he's going to kill me. I can jump in daddy's lap and he loves me even when I have not done the right thing, even when I'm struggling, even when I don't know the answer, even when I'm in bondage and I need help. When I need God the most, I deserve him the least. That is why it is a throne of grace. We can always go there in any circumstance in life, but we have to talk to daddy. We have to talk to daddy. You're not going to get any benefit of the new covenant with your mouth shut. And sometimes, you know, when I, when I was a new believer, one time I said to God, I mean, I said this, I meant it sincerely. I had struggle praying. I had a struggle reading the Bible. I, I got bored. You know, I just, and I'm going to talk more about this next week about prayer, but I got bored, and, I, and one time I said to God, I, I'm, I'm really meant it, and I was very immature. I said, you know everything I need. Why do I have to talk to you? You know, it, it's kind of like a married guy saying to his wife, well, you know, I told you once I loved you. Why do I have to keep saying it? That's like a, you know, death wish. That's why I tell Karen I love her all the time. I just don't want to die. I do love her. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't come to start another stinking religion? The last thing in the world that the world needs is another stinking religion. Jesus came so that we could have a personal relationship with God. Let me tell you the wonderful thing. Not only do we talk to God, he talks back. And he leads us as a daddy and as a shepherd. It's a wonderful thing. The New Testament is relationship-based. Thirdly, the New Testament is faith-based. The New Covenant is faith-based. It requires active belief on my part, active belief on my part. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That's the word pistis in the Greek. It means action. It's an act, action word. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So it requires faith. Romans 10, what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes into righteousness and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. Now this is the perfect picture of faith. To be saved, there are two things required, that we believe something and we do something. That's what faith is. Faith believes something and then it does something. If you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you'll be saved. That's what faith means. Faith does not mean I believe something. Faith means I believe something and I act on it. By grace, you're saved, but it does require action. It does require faith on our part. And so the new covenant is grace-based, it's relationship-based, and it's faith-based. Okay, but let me, let me say, 
What, what are the benefits of the new covenant? And I want to close with this very quickly. The, the benefits of the new covenant, if I'm going to go before the king and I'm going to ask him for help, what can I ask for? If I'm going to go before God, if I'm going to go before the throne of grace bearing the blood of Jesus, and I'm going to ask him for something, what can I ask for? Galatians 3. Christ has redeemed us. That means bought us back. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, and the cross was a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, non-Jews, in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And the Holy Spirit brings every blessing of God is brought by the agency of the Holy Spirit. So we receive the Holy Spirit, the blessings of God, through faith, because Jesus has removed the curse and brought the blessing of Abraham. What's the blessing of Abraham? Genesis 24, 1. Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. The blessing of Abraham is you're totally blessed. Jesus didn't die so we can kind of be blessed or mostly be blessed. Jesus died so we can totally be blessed. And that's the blessing. Whatever you need, you can ask for from the king. Isaiah 53, this is the death of Jesus in the Old Testament. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. It says, the chastisement for our peace. The word peace there is the word shalom. And the word shalom means the total blessing of God. And when a Jewish person walks up to you and they say shalom, what they're saying to you is may you be totally blessed. Not kind of blessed, not mostly blessed, but totally blessed. And I'm saying to you right now that Jesus Christ gave his blood so that we can go before the throne of God and ask for every blessing of God with boldness. Because God's desire is to restore us to a place of total blessing. Somebody say amen. amen. And that's the truth. Jesus died to give us life. He took sickness in his body on the cross so we could have health. He was rejected by God so we could be accepted. He died in poverty so we could have prosperity. He died in defeat so we could have victory. He died in bondage so we could have freedom. And he was punished so that we could have peace. He took the curse away and now he has imputed the blessing of Abraham to the non-Jews by his blood. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. We have been restored into the full graces of God Regardless of how we've sinned, regardless of what we've done or our ancestors have done, we have been restored into the full graces of God by the blood of Jesus. And all we have to do is go before the king boldly, bearing the blood, and ask for anything you want. That's, that's the new covenant. And many of us have lived in defeat for so long, it's just hard for us to believe that. It's just hard for us to believe it. But I'm saying it's absolutely the truth. It is the new covenant. That's, that's why this is called good news. We go into all the world preaching good news. What I'm saying to you this morning, this is good news. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you are right now, regardless of anything in your life, I'm saying that Jesus Christ loves you, he forgives you, and he will restore you back to anything that you've lost. And I love the book of Nehemiah because it starts with a devastated nation that is in rebellion to God but it ends with the people that have returned and God has restored them. And it's all based on grace in faith and relationship. That's what I was saying in this message. You know, the, when you need God the most, you deserve him the least. In other words, the only way that I'm going to get cleaned up from my problems is if I can get to God. But if I have to deserve it, I can't get to him. And that's the problem with the law or legalism. 
And see, this is what the devil wants us to believe. The devil condemns us and convinces us that we can't be forgiven or or we can't get to God until we get our act together, so you better get your act together. I can't get my act together unless I get to God. And that's why Hebrews 4 says that we have a high priest, Jesus, who can sympathize with all of our weaknesses because he was tempted in all manner like we are, yet without sin. Did you know that? Did you know that every temptation that you had, Jesus had? But he overcame it. But the point is, he sympathizes with our weaknesses. That's what Hebrews 4 says. And it says, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, not the throne of merit, not the throne of performance, not the throne of the law, but come boldly to the throne of grace that you might receive grace and mercy to help you in your time of need. See, there's difference between grace and mercy. Mercy means I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you mercy. You deserve punishment. I'm not going to give it to you. That's good. Grace means I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. You don't deserve blessing. You don't deserve abundance. You don't deserve you know, restoration. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you with every blessing that you don't deserve. And the Bible says that when we're dirty, when we're messed up, when we have sinned, when we have failed, we're welcomed into the presence of God to the throne of grace. And grace means it's undeserved. I don't have to deserve it. So I can get fixed when I'm all messed up, when I've made mistakes, but it'll only happen in the presence of God. And I want you to know you can go and run in daddy's lap because daddy's not mad. He was mad, but he took it out on Jesus. And he's not mad. He wants, he wants you to have a personal relationship with him. And that's why Jesus came. And I hope that you'll open your heart to him today if you haven't already. I'll see you next time. God is always about restoration and bringing hope when things seem hopeless. Regardless of your mistakes, the Lord's desire is to restore your life into his plan and purpose. In this powerful series, The God of Restoration, Jimmy Evans will help you discover how to break free from sin and restore the brokenness in your life. There is no condemnation because it's not about us, it's about how great Jesus is. Support the overcoming life with your gift of any amount and we'll send you the gift of favor as an audio download. Receive the complete series, The God of Restoration, on CD or audio download, and Jimmy Evans' book, I Changed My Mind, for your gift of $50 or more. For your gift of $85 or more, you'll receive the complete series, The God of Restoration, on DVD or video download, and the book, I Changed My Mind. When you've overcome the past and are living in God's blessing, you'll experience breakthrough, favor, and fulfillment. This year, the EXO Marriage Conference is coming to a city near you. The EXO Tour is a one-of-a-kind live marriage conference bringing couples together in venues across the country. The greatest marriages come from two people who just go through it together and come out on the other side and they win. Hear Jimmy Evans and many other remarkable speakers communicate on how to have a thriving, healthy marriage. Find an EXO Tour location near you and come together with other couples as we unite to strengthen families and start something new in your marriage. Even in the midst of something that you thought, I don't know if we're going to make it through this, when you come together and you lean on God together and you refuse to give up, He can do the miraculous Experience why so many couples call the EXO Tour an unforgettable investment for their marriage. We believe that your family has a bright future. For more information and to register at a city near you, visit exomarriage.com tour.
Thank you for watching The Overcoming Life with Jimmy Evans. Support The Overcoming Life with your best gift and receive the series, The God of Restoration. Experience the EXO Tour at a city near you. Seating is limited, so register today. Visit exomarriage.com slash tour. This program is made possible by the generous support of our faithful partners.